Aalto University Podcast. This is Cloud Reachers. Great to have you here, Laura. How are things? Very well, thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here with you, Tommy. I've been looking forward to this opportunity. Yeah, we've been planning for this quite for a while because <laughs> I think we've had a lot of great conversations previously that have been kind of podcast material. And I've yeah. always thought afterwards, wow, we should have had a mic in the room just for that specific yeah. conversation. So I agree. I'm so happy that you. Uh, f- I mean, we finally found this uh, time. So, what have you been doing? Uh, you have been super actively in in so many dimensions. Can you share about those? Sure. Um, yeah, I've been active on on a lot of different uh, dimensions in in this world and in other worlds uh, as well. Many many different dimensions. Um, I've been working recently with um, planning what we're going to do with um, the summer at Alta University. We've been um, building new new kind of learning learning concepts and, and, and testing them and really going out there above and beyond to to make something new happen uh, in terms of teaching and learning at Aalto. Um, also, the past few years have very much been kind of um, determined by challenge-based learning and everything that, that in, entitles. Um, we've been building new kind of models of partnerships, Um, working with companies and and the society to really make teaching and learning at Aalto more more work life relevant. I'm also a very active entrepreneur. Um, that's something that not all people who who work with me on a day to day basis at Aalto Aalto know about. But I also do a lot of um, consulting and and, and training uh, outside of Aalto on, on various different topics. Excellent. Hey, can you share more about the concept, uh, summer school concept that you are developing now. So what is the what is the idea and is it uh, local or international or? Yeah, definitely. Um, so we really want to build Otaniemi campus into a destination in, in 2020 and, and, and the summers that come after it. Um, we have a fantastic new campus, great new buildings, both old and new that come together into this kind of both um, physical and non-physical uh, ecosystem. And I think personally, this is such a great place to visit. We've got a combination of art and technology and business and all these ideas, all this research, all this fantastic teaching. And someone said to me, look, do you know what the hardest thing to buy is? And I was like, I've got no idea what you're talking about. They said, Finnish education. Like if you want to be educated in Finland, that's one of the hardest things in the world to buy. And so we started building these uh, great program concepts that really, um, they serve both the international students and our local degree students and lifelong learners, whether they are, are local or, or international. And we started building these great academic experiences for anyone who wants to spend the summer on Otaniemi campus. Okay, how, how long will it be, this experience? Is it like a few weeks or... The so we've got month? different kind of concepts. Um, I mean, we've got programs such as the Information Technology Program, which I've been running for the past six years at Aalto. And that's a full three-month experience. Okay. Um, so that's like a really um, kind of... Um, It's a very deep experience 
uh, into um, technologies, um, digital business and, and service design. Um, but we're also working on, on, on shorter experiences, for example, different kind of master classes uh, in different uh, subjects and themes taught at the university. Um, we've been running the digital business masterclass for a few years now, and it's been a real kind of global like destination happening right here in Otaniemi. We've had students come from Australia, Canada, Israel, Japan, Singapore, China, South Africa, Argentina, I mean, all over the world, just to be here with us for two weeks to take a deep dive into digital mm. business. Have you been following some of the alumni, like where they ended up? Uh... Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, we actually know a lot about our alumni um, because we have this kind of philosophy that once you come and, and do a master class with us, you actually become part of the Alta family. So yeah. we interact with our alumni quite a lot. We know where they are. Uh, we interact with them on, on, on social media. Uh, we know that our alumni, they actually, they've been meeting each other in, in different places around the world. We've got an active Facebook mm-hmm. group. Uh, and actually, I met up with some of our alumni in Australia and we had a fantastic night out in, in Brisbane. <laughs> so I actually know quite well what's happening with the people who have visited us here at Alta. Uh, fantastic to hear. What is your insight? Like, what kind of skills they have learned here, and uh, how those skills are benefiting them in their work life? Yeah. So a lot of these students are uh, MBA or 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 master students uh, at their home universities, and they typically come from what I would say slightly more traditional. Uh, programs which are very heavily focused on the kind of like traditional like MBA or like business um, skill set. So what we want to bring to them is a kind of more multidisciplinary approach into what is digital business, what is leadership uh, in the digital age, um, what is um, design, uh, what kind of like emerging technologies and trends there are that they should be considering. Uh, both in their studies and and in in their work life. So we are not so strictly kind of disciplinary based in how we look at digital business. We try to bring in the best uh, experts and and, and professors from all over Aalto and also from the Finnish kind of like business landscape uh, to share their insights to these students. Wow. What do you think, uh, what are the um, most valuable skills to learn? I mean, somebody, if somebody would like to yeah. start learning about the about some some skills that, uh, that are needed also in the future. Yeah. Mm, this is a, a thing that I've been thinking about a lot. So, like, we talk about skills and we talk about competences. We talk about uh, knowledge. Um, but for me, the thing that I want to focus on most is mindsets mm-hmm. and how can we build new mindsets. So I think some of the most relevant kind of future mindsets is this like adaptability. How do I see myself uh, in in my career? How do I see myself as a person? I like to talk about kind of career identity fluidity. Um When the world is changing at an exponentially faster pace, we need to be quite quick to react to the changes. And that's actually a very relevant skill set, a relevant mindset that I know who I am 
Uh, I know how to react to different kind of situations. Mm-hmm. I know what I already know and I know what I don't know and how can I teach those things to myself. So mm-hmm. I like to talk about autodidactics. How can you do self-learning? How can you do kind of self-management and self-leadership? Mm-hmm. Um, especially if we look at the way that organizations are, are going towards, uh, a lot of organizations, they want to be more agile. They want to be more... Uh, not reactive, but proactive. Mm-hmm. And that requires a much deeper skill set, mindset, understanding from the people who work in these organizations. Mm-hmm. And I think if you want to be, um, if you want to follow, follow your career dreams and, and, and your ambitions, I think this kind of adaptability, fluidity, uh, agility, um, mm-hmm. and, and this deep self-knowledge is really at the core of, of everything that we will be doing in the future. Does it, um, I mean, it's uh, it's about, uh, of course, one person, but mm. does it also apply to teams or mm. companies? How do you yeah, see Yeah, it? it definitely uh, applies to kind of like teams and, and, and organizations and, and, and companies as well. And this is something that a lot of, and, and like I, I talk about these subjects too uh, with, I mean, I do training in this subject with CEOs and, and, and board members of companies. And we constantly talk about this uh, agility, this adaptability, and it's a big hot topic. Um, but in order to be really agile and, and adaptable, there are certain kind of ground rules that as an organization, you have to be able to meet. So for example, openness. Mm-hmm. You have to have culture of openness. And when we talk about culture of openness, it needs to be, um, there has to be an opportunity for everyone to kind of like voice their opinions and, mm-hmm. and bring their kind of best opinion forward. Uh, there needs to be openness in, in what kind of data is being shared in the organization, mm-hmm. what kind of knowledge is being shared, and specifically um, in decision-making processes. So what I see quite often working with some organizations is that they're saying, oh, we're fully agile, we're fully adaptable, Uh, but then they still have these really rigid hierarchical decision-making processes. And that is like completely against this Mm -hmm. kind of notion of of, of agility and these like self-organizing teams. So I love to talk about self-organizing teams. And uh, that's actually something that it really starts from your education. So what kind of responsibility we give to our students while they are at university. Mm-hmm. We have this tendency to really design education and, and, and teaching in a way that is very, I mean, it's there is this like contradiction between this like academic freedom, but then this kind of like very rigid instructions. And that's why I love challenge-based learning because uh, then we expose students to these real life Uh, challenges, real life problems and, and, and projects. And there's not um, there's not a right way or a correct way to do it. It's very open-ended learning. And if you're able to do this open-ended learning when you are at the university, you will be able to do this like open-ended learning in an organization, in a self-organizing team. So yes, there are some subjects uh, and some areas where we have the correct answer. But then we have a kind of vast area of things that we just don't know the answer yet, or there's a multitude of different answers that could be correct. And this is the kind of mindset that you need when you are working uh, in, in future organizations. Mm-hmm. So how does uh, challenge-based learning help you to learn adaptability or openness? 
Uh, I think like challenge-based learning inherently it is very because it is so open-ended. Yeah. Um, and how we do challenge-based learning at Alt University is we typically we work with a combiner organization, uh, and they really want to develop something or, or find a solution for a challenge that they have within their organization, and they're willing to expose it to students. And why do they expose it to students? They want new knowledge. They want new insight. They want new perspectives and 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 kind of like new like alternative lenses, uh, which they can look at their challenges through. And um, in this way, actually, we're looking at this kind of like ecosystems of learning where we have the students and then we've got the kind of like academia. So it's like professors or or lecturers or coaches. And then we have the company representatives Mm -hmm. and they all actually want to learn from this challenge. So I like to talk about Mm co-learning. So this is kind of very opposite to like the like more traditional notion where you have a lecturer in front of a lecture room telling facts to the students yeah. and the students are listening and taking notes. This is a good way to kind of learn basic theories and basic information. But now we are kind of like in this like information age. All the students, they have this information like on their mobile phones, in their pockets all the time. Yes, there is a value in curating the information from an academic perspective. And that's what research and professors are really good at. Uh, But then we come to um, the question on how do you actually apply that knowledge in the real world? Mm -hmm. So if our our teaching and learning kind of stops at that point and and there's never this uh, application happening, that's only kind of like, we're only halfway through Mm -hmm. in what we're kind of aiming to do at the university. So I think there are a lot of different kind of methods, but challenge-based learning, it's a very good method in bringing in the real world, exposing students to new kind of ideas. And it's actually very powerful or, or almost like empowering in a way that you get to see what happens to the information that you have learned and acquired and what happens when you bring it to life in a way with a real life situation. Mm-hmm. And typically when the students are working in teams on these challenges, they all come in with their own mindset and their identity and their own own knowledge. So what happens mm-hmm. in that kind of um, self-organized team working is usually quite magical. Mm-hmm. That's that's great because I mean the impact is then um, it's like you said it's not just students it's really companies well all the stakeholders providing all these challenges. Also learning them to like what is their organization in the end right? I mean what what are they good at and. Uh, where they have to say that, no, this is really too big challenge, so let's give it to, I mean, students in this course. Exactly. And in this way, I think us as universities, we can really fulfill our societal role as well. And um, and I think universities have a lot of different kind of uh, like societal roles and these kind of impact roles. And... I think this teaching and learning area is very untapped because we all always see that, okay, the societal impact is that we produce an X amount of bachelor's graduates or master's graduates, and that's the impact. But I think we need to dig quite a bit more deeper uh, mm-hmm. into what's what's the actual societal impact in the teaching and learning that we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it can truly change a lot of, lot of people. I mean, impact a lot of people in the organizations and uh, and uh, let them uh, be, I mean, more creative, more adaptive, and uh, 
and I'm open. Uh, how about your, you yourself? I mean, I mean, can you share some perhaps turning point in your career? I mean, or life, anything that has made you to think differently or, I mean, changed your mindset? I thought you'd never ask. I really like to talk about myself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes you yeah. have to wait for the <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Um, I think there have been like some quite pivotal turning points in 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 both kind of my personal life and and career. I think one of the very um, important uh, experiences earlier on was the fact that I moved to Scotland when I was eighteen, and I just graduated from high school in in Helsinki, and I just decided that I really need to go and explore more. So I really wanted to be Indiana Jones when I was a, a kid. And um, I had this kind of like, so I wanted either to be Indiana Jones or James Bond. So I was really <laughs> in between these two fantastic characters. Um, so I really wanted to go and study art history because that's what Indiana Jones did. I don't know if James Bond never ever went to university, but... Um, ah, that's a good question. Yeah, yeah I, not. <laughs> yeah, I think I need to find, find, find out. So Indiana Jones was... Um, he had studied our history, so I thought that's what I want to do. But actually, um, I've received one um, kind of advice uh, from 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 my father, uh, and it was Laura, do anything else, but like please just like don't go and study our history. Just pick something else. <laughs> so I picked economics, right? <laughs> <laughs> These are completely else. comparable: art history and and, and economics. And yeah, so so I moved to Aberdeen. Uh, I went to um, University of Aberdeen in Scotland for four years and, and graduated with a master's in, in economics and, and, and management studies. And I wanted to go to an ancient university because I had this kind of Indiana Jones, like Harry Potter kind of thing, mm-hmm. thing going on. So I ended up in Scotland. Uh, that was a very important experience because at that point at 18, um, I just decided that I'm going to kind of go and make the most of anything that comes mm. in front of me. And I think I truly did that for, for the four years that I spent in, in Scotland. Um, and actually, I I never thought at that point that I would become a university lecturer or or a, a program director or, or anyhow work with kind of like education as, as such. I mean, I was exposed to working at a university. I did a few internships. Um, at I did a few internships at the University of Aberdeen, and I always thought that I would end up working in somehow kind of like the public sector, more in like kind of like a governmental role, mm-hmm. like a government spy or I don't know if spies exist, but I really wanted this kind of like James Bond, like 007 um, life. And then life happened. I decided that I want to move back to Helsinki. I was in between London and Helsinki. And then I happened to get a job at, at Aalto University. And, and now I'm, I'm still still here on the same, same kind of road. So I think that was a very pivotal experience, uh, kind of from a young age, just going and, and treading your own road and, and making the most of it. And... Um, Another thing that's been very important for me personally is becoming an entrepreneur. And in order to be an entrepreneur, you don't have to be a guy who is wearing a startup hoodie. You don't have to pour your whole life and soul into your company. You can very well be a part-time entrepreneur. You can sell your own um, own kind of like knowledge and, 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 and skills. And that's what I've been doing. 
Why it has been so important is that I've actually seen the value that other people place on on my expertise. Mm-hmm. And especially in the beginning, it was quite difficult to to set that value for your own expertise. And then it's given me a lot of uh, actually confidence in how much other people value my expertise, my consultancy, my help. And it's really driven me forward in, in constantly kind of... Um, becoming a better expert, becoming a better specialist. Mm. And I think this entrepreneurial mindset has done amazing things for me working at Aldi University as well. Um, the kind of unit that I lead, it's a very intrapreneurial unit. So we're really trying to, um, it's it's really uh, funny. For example, we've been running this Alta thesis program. We can get back to that later. Uh, we've been we've been running it and it's been quite successful. And then someone said to us in a, in a meeting that this is a fantastic academic startup. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I really realized how this entrepreneurial mindset has affected how I do my work within this organization and how my different teams work. And this kind of like courage, and and this um, mindset for for testing and and building prototypes. Um, building these kind of minimum viable products or minimum lovable products uh, it's been extremely powerful in everything that we do. Mm-hmm. Can you share more about the Alta thesis program? So yeah. how does it work? Is it uh, is it also for companies or? Yeah, so this is a very good example of, of the kind of co-learning that I was talking about earlier on. And so we bring together um, students from, or well, it starts off first that we, we find companies or organizations who have Uh, these kind of like really large and widespread challenges. And uh, we then start building a kind of project with them uh, for a multidisciplinary master's thesis uh, team. And uh, then we look in into different schools in Aalto and bring students together from different disciplines. I think both from like a research uh, point of view and a kind of teamwork point of view, there's been some very powerful experiences Um, I think it's been quite groundbreaking for some students. You know, we might have an engineering student, business student, and 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 an art student that all look at the challenge from very different kind of perspective, and they do their own research and and gather their own data. And then when they start looking at the data and this information together from these completely different viewpoints. That's really where the magic happens. And that is really the information that these companies and organizations want to tap into. And I th- I think this has been a, a fantastic starting point for hopefully something a lot larger. We are very much in a kind of testing phase, but we're already working with a lot of companies and, and a lot of students on this. But I really want to make this into a kind of learning experience phenomenon. So um, if I um, read you right, so that magic actually drives you in teaching and learning, to see that magic happening in, in students' eyes. Yeah, right. yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, that's actually really nicely put. Um, and yes, I think that the magic that we are referring to is pretty much everything uh, in in what I do, whether it's the kind of magic that happens when you're able to facilitate this kind of like successful work in, in student teams or, or the or the magic that you see in a boardroom where mm-hmm. the students go in to present their results and you really see this kind of sparkle in, in the eyes of 
you know, the CEO or the director of something and they've really understood and learned something new. And it's the same. I do a lot of uh, training also on, on kind of, um, for example, like life design and, 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 and this kind of like career identity stuff and, 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 and on entrepreneurship. And when you see that kind of click in people's heads or, or the sparkle in their eyes, that's the kind of magic mm. that I think like us as whatever we want to call us, teachers or, or facilitators or, or magicians, <laughs> I mean, that, that's yeah. something that we ultimately aim for. Yeah, yeah. I think magic is so good metaphor for everything that we are doing. I mean, because it's, uh, it's uh, in, at the same time, it's um, performing, of course. But then it's also raising the question, okay, well, how did that happen? How did, how did you do that, right? Which, of course, is a great motivation to learn something. I mean, if you are really curious about how, how does something work, I mean, and doesn't have to be, of course, machine, it can be abstract thing, anything. Yeah. And so in terms of, for example, learning this, how do things work? A few years back, I was, I was kind of thinking that, mm, is, is there anything new that I can learn about learning? And now kind of looking back, I constantly learn new things about how do these things work in, in teaching mm-hmm. and, and, and learning. And because they are very, very abstract things and it's, it's, it's always every single time you have uh, a kind of a course or, or, oh, yeah. or this um, mm-hmm. kind of learning happening, it's always unique. Mm-hmm. So even though it would be the same, exact same course, exact same topics, but it's always the time and place is different. The students are different. And the kind of whole, how this like atmosphere builds, it's, it's, it's a combination of tiny, tiny, tiny yeah. pieces. And I think the better we can kind of read these pieces, both kind of from a, um, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of intuition in it as well. Mm. Like oh, yeah. what kind of like, how do you build your own kind of style and, and touch in these uh, learning situations? And how do you really like, what's the potion for mm-hmm. the magic in a way? So I keep learning about these things all the time and constantly. And now I really feel like I am, this is, this is only the beginning yeah. of my yeah. own learning journey in this area. For example, in Descendants, reading the class, mm. I really like it because it's like, you can always be a better reader, right? Mm-hmm. You can always read the class better, whether it's online class or offline class, anything. Uh, talking about learning, so what did you learn last time online, perhaps? Or can be offline as well. <laughs> yeah, um, well, I have an example of what I learned um, online. This is kind of like non-related to anything like career-related, uh, but the... <laughs> That's why I ask it. Yeah. <laughs> Last time, right? Yeah, so the last time I was, uh, act- this was actually last night, I was super, I, I watched a documentary on Netflix and they were talking about the Wim Hof method. Um, <laughs> so I got really into this, you know, Wim Hof, this like Dutch guy who has this like breathing method on like how can you uh, build um, kind of stress resistance and, and, and he does this kind of like cold therapy thing and you do this like breathing technique and then you go and swim in like ice cold water or take an ice cold shower and it builds your resistance and they've actually like scientifically uh tested it and so it's not like a placebo effect there's mm-hmm. actually something happening uh, in the body through this like breathing things um so yeah that's what i started learning last night i got really into it so maybe um 
tonight I will start working on my breathing techniques. And it was actually quite a cool application with these like free videos um, that teaches you the method. Um, so I'm quite excited about it. Okay, is it, uh, is it like uh, you take a deep breath? Yeah, so it's like a breathing kind of sequence uh, that you do. And the aim is that it makes your body more alkaline. So it's it's uh, more kind of like resistant uh, to the cold. Mm. That's uh, that's all my favorite topic. I mean, in many, many, many ways. I, mean, I don't know if I ever told you, but uh, I, I started uh, it's like 10 years ago, Hatha Yoga. Yeah. Sometimes I know I love it. It's it's so great. I'm gonna. I'm. I've yeah. booked myself a hatha yoga class really? tonight, so I'm gonna. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I I love it as well. <laughs> okay. Great. Great. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's it's the it's one of the essential things to do, right? Breathing. Yeah. And still, people somehow forget it. Mm. And I think there are a lot of things that we forget, and I think as as people as humans. I think we're quite often a bit too hard on ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a lot to do is there there's something about the current kind of age and time that we live in. Like we have all these possibilities. Like we, I would say that we have more possibilities as humans than ever before. But still people are fe- feeling very severe anxiety or they can't see into their own, own futures. Yeah, and this is something I see a lot in. I mean, in, in in students, and I would love to see that as universities, we would kind of take a more like holistic approach. Yeah, into yeah. what does student well-being look like, mm-hmm. and and what are the kind of like tools and methods that we provide to our students. Yeah, and I think some of the tools and methods they can be kind of. They can be less academically orientated and they're more kind of these like life coping yeah. uh, methods. And I think that it was very uh, interesting. I visited Stanford a few years ago uh, for this kind of like design your life for educators workshop. And at first I was like, oh, my God, this is so non-academic. Like <laughs> this is like where like where did they come up with this stuff? Um but then the methods kind of like really sunk in and it was a deep learning experience for myself to understand that that how we look at learning, it's not only academic information that we aim to kind of pass on from yeah, yeah. teacher to student. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot more to do with mindsets and how can we help students really like leverage their own full potential. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we have this like knowledge potential, but then we have a lot more potential um, in, in the ways how we see ourselves, how mm. we see the outside world. Yeah. I mean, in the end, we are hybrid me- physical, mental mm. beings, right? Why do we forget the physical side so often? I mean, it's it's kind of, of course, people sit, right? So you still need your <laughs> mm-hmm. physical uh, side in order to be able to sit and read, for example, and do exercises. But... Uh, I mean, like like mental exercises or, or course assignments, but uh, but it's really rare that rare that uh, in in teaching in the course design we we really plan the physical exercises into the course design. I mean, it almost never happens. Yeah, it's it's super unless, rare. Unless the educator is kind of crazy enough. To yeah, say cra- that, okay, yeah, now yeah, exactly all crazy stand enough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I hear that all the time. It's like, well, she's crazy enough to do these kind of things, and. Um, 
but I, but I hope these kind of thoughts would become like slightly more yeah. uh, mainstream. Yeah. And, and, and there's a reason why I'm, I'm wishing for that. I'm wishing for that because if we look at how is work life as a whole transforming at the moment, what does the future of work look like? We can already see the potential of technology and computers. So why are we educating our students to behave like computers? It's, it's crazy. Yeah. So kind of, I really believe that we should amplify um, the competences in students, which cannot be easily replicated yeah, by machines. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And also to be able to cope with the machines. I mean, look at all these recommendation algorithms that are running basically mm. a lot of people's lives. I mean, they are they are looking at content, right? They are sitting, they are looking at the content. A few hours later, they are still looking at content mm. because it's so um, well designed so that they, so they, it's actually, I mean, it hooks you up, right? Yeah, so you, it does. You, you just constantly look at the new video and it might or might not be interesting anymore. You might learn something or might be that you don't learn anything. Yeah. But, uh, but it's like... Uh, I mean, it's it's almost like slavery, isn't it? It it is in a way, and I'm glad that you brought this up because that's why I think it's very important that we uh, help students and I mean ourselves in in building very strong, kind of like on the other side, like strong identities, but also fluid identities, mm. uh, so that we are not so easily uh, affected by these, um, I mean, algorithms and the content that they are yeah. pushing to us constantly, because a lot of the content is actually quite terrible. It's content yeah. such as you need to buy more to be happier. Yeah. You need to look, your, your looks need to be different for people to accept you. You need to change yourself in this and this way. Yeah. You need to do this and this and this. So if you don't really know who am I, where do I stand? and have this sense of groundedness, you're quite easily kind of um, yeah, pulled yeah, into yeah. this like self, self-doubt. self And and I really hope that in, in the future um, we will see maybe kind of like, well, I, I never want to say like that you have to restrict anything, but I wish that there would be more uh, conversation on how how these different kind of content uh, affect us. Mm -hmm. Would that be part of the, for your future vision? I mean, vision for the future of learning? Yeah, yeah, I think it is part of it. Because as I said, I think we need to help students, humans, in mm -hmm. in building these kind of um, a strong sense of self. Yeah. So that you kind of understand where am I standing and... How can I develop myself into the direction that I want to go into? Yeah, yeah. Because we have so many options, so many opportunities, mm -hmm. but it becomes harder and harder to navigate through these different mm -hmm. kind of options and opportunities. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a very important part. So we're really going from this kind of time of, of like transfer, like knowledge transference into this more kind of like holistic understanding mm -hmm. what, what learning learning is about that should help people also to focus mm -hmm. first of course know where to focus yeah and uh, then then really concentrate and, and do mm -hmm. something useful i mean for the society and of course for the i mean 
given all the current challenges that we are facing. Exactly. Yeah. Great. Hey, uh, last question. So, I mean, we always ask this. Uh, so if you look at your field, uh, I mean, who is who could be a cloud reach? Because I mean, the podcast is about reaching out cloud. So dreams, online, anything that is not yet here. So who would be a cloud reacher in your field? I think there are, uh, there are a lot of uh, great people who work work in this field. And I think, I feel like this like learning is in the new kind of renaissance stage that a lot of people in, in organizations are really talking about learning. And, and um, we are seeing kind of learning being brought back to the center of university strategies, um, for example, which I think is very valuable. Um, I mean, I'm a huge fan of the work that you do um, at Aalto. I think you've been one of the really kind of pioneers in the area of, of online learning. And, and that's why I'm such a big fan, fan of you, Tommy. Uh, another person who I am a huge fan of is is definitely uh, our our Nordic rebel, Mika uh, J. Lehtonen. And I'm a huge fan of his work. And I've done a, this is a bit biased because I've done a lot of work with him, but I've never seen anyone being so deeply connected with kind of the students' needs and um, building a kind of a whole new perspective on what teaching and learning means. And I think maybe Mika is slightly ahead of his time in, in some of his um, <laughs> kind of um, in, endeavors. Uh, but I would, I would really say that that uh, what Mika has done with, with the Nordic Rebels and this whole kind of like philosophy of, of, of learning is, is quite mm-hmm. fantastic. And Mika is the co-host of Cloud Reachers. So. Yeah, so, so. I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of the work that both of you are, yeah. are doing. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big fan of your work, so yeah. <laughs> that's so what we can be each here. other's fans. Like, no, I like your work more. No, I like your work more. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Let's fight about it. Hey, thanks, Laura, so much for joining. I mean, this was fantastic uh, discussion, and uh, Thank I you. learned so much. Also, the new breathing technique. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Thank you very much, Tommy. Yeah, thanks. All right, um, thanks all for listening. This is Cloud Reachers. I'm Tommy Copen. See you or hear you next time. Ciao.